from the latest on Caribbean cruises to kosher safaris, pilgrimages to Jewish Eastern Europe and award-winning wines and international cuisine in sun-drenched Tel Aviv. Sit back and enjoy the trip with the travel edition of the Jerusalem Post podcast. Hello, David. I am absolutely exhausted. I shouldn't start by complaining, but I am. The reason I'm tired is for you listening to this podcast. We go to the ends of the world to bring you that little bit of pleasure once every two weeks. I, I can hear our audience going, those poor guys traveling the world, <laughs> staying in nice hotels, seeing the sights of the world. Uh, you know, they need a break. We're in transit recording this podcast. We're on our way home from Uzbekistan, and you'll hear all about that in a couple of the upcoming podcasts. It was an incredible journey, somewhere we've always wanted to go, somewhere we imagined we knew, but we found out so much more once we got there. It was amazing. You have these thoughts about Uzbekistan, and I don't know a great deal about it. I'd seen some pictures, but the reality the people there were so warm so amazing and i can now say thank you in another language uh, go on go for it rahmat although you did tell me off and say rahmat and not rahmat and my hurt was too much yeah so it's like a her, a her sound anyway what are we doing this time i think we should sail on the high seas is the mediterranean sea considered the high seas I don't know, it depends how much rain there's been and then yes, it goes higher. Up and down. But not on a cruise ship this time. Much as we love cruise ships, I think something a little bit more intimate. So we're going to be telling you all about yachting off Sicily. But not just any old yachting. It's going to be kosher yachting. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Do I have to wear kippah? No, but we'll find out much more when we talk to our guest. Fabulous. And? Do you want to do some geometry? Why? I want to talk about triangles. Ah, uh, clever. Isosceles. No, that's Greek, isn't it? Equilateral. Equi equilateral? No, India's Golden Triangle. Oh, India's Golden Triangle, yes. You've just been there, you lucky boy. Yes, I keep flying. It's amazing. Six countries in two months, I believe. At least. If you include the stopover, I think there's an extra one in there somewhere. We're going to be hearing all about Mark's trip to the Golden Triangle, which brings us very nicely on to the questions for this week's podcast. Do you want to do one or two? I can see a word I can't pronounce in question one, so I'm so, doing question okay, two. Okay, so I'll go for question number one. Please forgive me if I butcher this question. The Aeolian Islands off Sicily are named after Aeolus. Who was Aeolus? Butchered. Question number two. I travelled around the Golden Triangle of India by train. But if you were to drive, how long would the full circuit be in miles or kilometres? The answer's at the end of the pod. This is the Jerusalem Post podcast travel edition. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at MarkDavidPod or mail us at MarkDavidPod at gmail.com. For those people who keep kosher and keep Shabbat, traveling can often be challenging. Of course, there are kosher hotels around the world. Cruise ships will make some form of offering for kosher food, but it sometimes comes a little awkwardly. For example, you travel business and everybody around you has got beautiful dishes and gorgeous food and you end up with lovely food, but it's in a silver foil package. I went on a what is called a gullet cruise about ooh, 20 years ago. Um, it was eight families on a wooden boat off Turkey. 
and trying to keep kosher was not exactly easy when you're the only Jewish family there. But what we sort of did was eat salads and eggs and fish and and everything was catered for us but it was still a little awkward but the crew did everything they could but you know if i was someone who kept strictly kosher you know i probably couldn't have done that trip so we know a man who can he's warren marland proud to say he's formerly from manchester has lived in israel for many years he understood this problem and is now offering those who want to go yachting a solution I've been living in Israel for 30 years. I've got a uh, background in high-tech, in software, in traveling the world. And for about uh, 15 years, I've been running my own business as a consultant. Some of the projects I've worked on have been right by the sea. Where does the love of the sea come from? It's all well and good living near the sea, but it doesn't mean that you want to be in it or on it. This is very true. I grew up in in Manchester, England, and in fact, on the way to school every day, I used to pass a water park where I could see all these little boats sailing around, and I always felt I wanted to do that. And then fast-forwarding many, many years to being here in Israel, I was working on a project in in Herzliya, and I saw all the boats and the the sailing schools there, and I I, I got the bug just to to get my skipper's license. I signed up, and I went through the training, and uh, I got my first skipper's license, and then my international skipper's license, and, uh, and that's how I got into it. How do you actually become a skipper? What's the process? The Israeli Ministry of Transport has a fairly rigorous examination system, which is actually quite well respected around the world. Uh, you have to sign up with one of the many sailing schools. You have to do a course which is in four modules. After each one, you have to pass an exam. Uh, things like mechanics and navigation. And then after that, you have to do a practical test where you actually get taken out by a tester on a boat. And just like a driving test, you've got to pass that test. And if you do all that, you get your first license. Is there a three-point turn or reverse parking? There are tricky manoeuvres, trust me. There are tricky. You've got to back into spaces and you've got to be able to do your knots. And uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a tricky exam. Not, not everyone passes the first time. As far as I know, you've spent most of your sailing time in the Mediterranean. Is that just because it's near home or, or there's more to it? Israel has got a very long coastline along the Mediterranean and we don't really take advantage of that. Um, that's one of the reasons that sailing is a popular uh, hobby Uh, a popular thing to learn. However, uh, Israel has got a fairly boring coastline. It's very straight. You go out into the sea and you can have some great fun. But after a few years of going out and sailing around for a few hours and coming back, it does get a little boring and you want to look further afield. The advantage of the Mediterranean is you, you can go to Greece, you can go to Italy, you can go to Croatia, you can go to some of the best sailing areas in the world, which are a very short hop on a, on a low-cost flight. Yes, you can sail there, but it's it's a very long uh, sail in very boring open seas to get to the closest place, which is Cyprus, which is around 27 hours to sail. So most people, they fly to a location, you've got the whole of the Mediterranean that you can go and visit. You've taken your love of sailing and you've turned it into a tourism idea, kosher yachting. How does that work? The beauty of of a sailing boat is it's a little bit like an Airbnb in that it's a self-contained unit where you can do your own cooking and you've got your own little world. Now, this became particularly important during Corona, where sailing was was a a very Corona-friendly 
activity. You could go out to sea and you'd be in your own bubble away from everyone, everyone else. I did this a few times during the corona years on a catamaran with friends and family. And we got such a great response that I thought that maybe this is something that other people would like to do. There are challenges for anyone who, who keeps kosher and keeps Shabbat, and we can solve those. The three challenges are if you want to go and charter a boat and go sailing, all the charter companies will force you to go from Saturday to Saturday, which is no good if you keep Shabbat. And then you've got the problem of uh, a kosher on the boat, which you can solve. And then the third problem is that you also need to be able to stop from Friday to Sunday morning. So if you can solve all those problems for Shabbat, for kosher and for the charter period, then it's something that other people can enjoy. So let's delve a little deeper into those challenges. How do you provide kosher food to your customers? I've played around with a lot of different options. And, and one of the problems is there are a lot of different options. Just like when you go and uh, rent a car, you can go for an A-class Mini or you can go up to a, a luxury Lexus. And it's exactly the same in, in the boating charter world. I don't own a boat, but I recognize that if, you, if, if I can charter a boat for a very long period, for a whole season, I can chop up that time into midweek to midweek periods. So I solve the problem of the Shabbat to Shabbat. I can make the boat kosher, so everything inside the boat is kosher. And then I can find somewhere to stop for Shabbat. In terms of the food, as long as I know my base that I come back to every week or every two weeks, I can make sure that I have supplies delivered there from wherever the closest kosher supplier is. Do you have a chef on board then? We offer a chef as an option. Our basic package, if you like, is for self-catering for people who want to do that. We can add a chef in. There is a room for him to sleep and there is room for him to work. So we offer that as an option. On the Shabbat side of things, how does it work? I mean, you've talked about the sailings midweek to midweek. Without getting too deep into Jewish law or halakha, what happens? Do you keep sailing during Shabbat? Do you dock and people can get on and off? What's the offering? What we do is we arrive on Friday lunchtime in a marina where we've booked a space and we tie up in that marina. We connect the boat to the local electricity and then we stay there until Sunday morning. During Shabbat, we just like we're at home, we cook meals before Shabbat and then we eat them on Shabbat. Uh, we go for walks during the day. We can solve all the problems. The biggest problem you normally have on a boat is the fact that the toilets are all electric. That is, for people who won't press the button on, on Shabbat, then we have a solution for that as well. If it's yellow, let it mellow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you have no idea what it's like to work with this guy and go away with it. <laughs> I would do the second verse. It's all well and good you're talking about kosher and Shabbat and, and all these types of things. Does that mean I have to be, you know, observant to join this trip? Absolutely not, David. We're looking for anyone who wants to come sailing with us is more than welcome. The boat itself is kosher and we expect people to respect that. And we'll be stopping for Shabbat. Anyone who wants to get off the boat and tour and do their own thing is more than welcome to do so. Your upcoming season is 2023. Where will you be sailing in the Mediterranean? In 2023, I decided to focus my efforts on Sicily, where there are seven islands to the north, known as the Aeolian Islands. All of them volcanoes, uh, two of them active, five of them dormant. And it's just the most spectacular scenery, the most spectacular area. I have a boat there for almost the entire period from um, May to September. Uh, we'll be going out for seven day trips uh, or 14 day trips. 
even though we'll be focused on Sicily, there are people who want other places, other locations, and we will do custom tours for anyone who wants in other locations. Absolutely fascinating. I think Mark and I would love to join you. I don't know if we could afford seven or 14 days. But for those people whose appetite you have whetted, how can they get hold of you? Well, I have a website which is called Kosher Med Sailing. Uh, Kosher, M-E-D Sailing, one word, dot com. I'm also on Facebook, also on Instagram. Warren Marland, it's been fascinating. We wish you lots of luck. It's great to hear about, first of all, people who are serial entrepreneurs doing something in a very different way, jumping into new waters, as it were, but also people who are taking on board the need of the kosher traveller. Thank you very much indeed and wishing you lots of luck with this venture. Thanks so much, both of you. And now it's time for the news from the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. It's estimated that the global sustainable tourism market will grow by some $335 billion over the next five years. That's according to Tecnavio. The figure represents an annual growth rate of 9%. The forecast covers hotels, restaurants and the leisure market. Saudi Arabia is offering investment opportunities worth $6 trillion in the travel and tourism sector through to 2030. Tourism Minister Ahmad Al-Khatib says the kingdom plans to be a global tourist destination by the end of the decade. He was speaking at the World Travel and Tourism Council Global Summit in Riyadh on November the 29th, 2022. Christian visitors to Israel will have opportunities to celebrate the festive season in Jerusalem, Haifa and Nazareth, among other places. The Christmas market just inside Jerusalem's new gate opens on December 15th, with plenty of Yuletide events being hosted in Nazareth in the Galilee and Haifa, Israel's major port city. The Mozart Prague Hotel is running a special Hanukkah offer. 15% off a three-night stay and 20% off a four-night stay. For full details, see the hotel's website. I know we've said this a few times of late, but Mark did go away without me once again. Well, you went away without me first. I can't keep track. Do you realise in the months of November and December 2022, you've been in six countries? And I don't think I've been in Israel that much. Don't tell anybody that. (laughs) Well, I included Israel in the six countries. But the one that's probably most fascinating, if you remember, what, six months ago when we were talking about favourite places to visit, and I threw out Uzbekistan and New Zealand and Italy and France, there was only one place that, that you really wanted to see. And your dream came true. I went to Las Vegas. <laughs> and from Las Vegas, you won a ticket to India. Yeah, no, I, I, I had two places on my bucket list. Las Vegas, just for the sheer trashiness of it and the and the lights and India because I love Indian food and I grew up in a neighborhood in London where I think a third of the people at my school were Indian so I've always had close affinity to India. Did you discover any Las Vegas the glitz in India? No. Absolutely not? If there's an adjective for India glitz would not be it. What would the adjective be in the part and we'll get on to where you visited but from what you saw? Two or three people said to me before I went, they went, oh, India, it's an assault on your senses. It's something else, India. Uh, and, and, and it definitely was. 
Probably not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> I know. <that's> probably, <laughs> my dream to go somewhere. <laughs> but based on what people had said, uh, yeah. a lot of people had said, no, India, oh, I'd never go there. And when I got there, the noise is the first thing that hits you. So you arrived in, in the capital in New Delhi? Yeah, we, we flew Air India from Tel Aviv to New Delhi, an overnight flight, got a couple of hours sleep. When you fly to Israel particularly on El Al, you already get a taste of Israel on the flight. Was that the same with Air India? A little bit, yeah. The majority of the people on the plane were Indian. I think the the route between India and Tel Aviv tends to take Indian workers Mm -hmm. back and forth. So do you get that assault on your senses, as it were, or or it's just a regular flight? It's a regular flight. It was an Air India 777, and much nicer than I thought. And unlike on certain national airlines, the screens worked, so I was able to watch a film. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it was just a typical normal normal flight, nothing special. So you landed the middle of the night, early morning? It was about six o'clock in the morning. You opened the doors of the terminal, and what happened? Straight into the terminal, and you go into... Everybody always says when you go to Israel, the bureaucracy, it's, it's like it was in Britain in, in the times of the empire. Well, it still is in India. Israel has improved a lot. India, when you're queuing to get through passport control, you can queue for 30 minutes. And then the person behind the glass screen gets up and goes for their lunch. And that's it. So after an hour in passport control, we were out and there was a taxi waiting for us. This um, was a taxi that you'd ordered? Yeah. The main thing to know about India is it is remarkably cheap. Coming from Israel, it's even cheaper. A taxi from the airport to our hotel was something like four or five pound or six or seven dollars, whichever way you want. And to were it. you staying downtown? We decided that we would try and do this on a budget. We would try and get all the accommodation done for a night in a hotel in Israel for the whole week. Wow. So wait a minute. That that means a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, I think I think our accommodation budget for a week was two hundred and fifty dollars. Were you staying, I'm assuming you weren't, in five-star hotels? No. So what type of accommodation did you so go for? We were going to three destinations. I'll talk about it more in a bit. We were going to go to Delhi, to Agra, and Jaipur, what, what is commonly known as the Golden Triangle. And we were going to do it on the train from each location. Each journey was somewhere between two and a half and four hours. For the first journey, we decided to try and find a hotel not too far from the station in the centre of Delhi. That would give us access to the centre of Delhi. And we stayed in probably a three-star hotel. Really nice hotel. The only thing was being near the station. It was a little bit noisy at night, but we were so tired. didn't matter. Very clean. It had excellent food. Uh, And you start to get the smells of India, the, the, the spices and the curry, and unfortunately, a little bit of the streets. Delhi was fine, Jaipur was fine, Agra less so, but you could certainly know you're in a different country. Okay, just very quickly finish off on the accommodations. You're in a hotel in Delhi. What did you have in Jaipur and uh, Agra? So in Jaipur and Agra, we, we stayed in what's known as a homestay. They're supposed to be parts of larger houses where the people live in the house and then have four or five rooms that are converted for guests so in Jaipur I think there were 10 rooms converted really grand house Agra was a slightly different story it was closed apparently due to water problems but it just so happened the owner had a crappy hotel in the center of Agra Um, (sighs) right yeah so let's forget the Agra one yeah staying with the family in Jaipur do you get a sense of the life of an Indian family, or do they keep themselves to themselves? Well, you meet them. You're not really living in their house. Their house is separate. So you feel like you're in a hotel or a guest house. So you see the owner and the owner's wife. 
they have a breakfast room which you get evening meals in as well they're very happy to help somewhere between hotel and guest house but, okay. but really nice so let, let's rewind a bit 60 seconds on what to see in Delhi what we did in each of the cities is we tried to take some form of tour either a taxi tour or like a walking tour of the city and in Delhi we also did a culinary tour as well this would cost you maybe a hundred to two hundred dollars in Israel for a a culinary tour, maybe $300 plus for a, a taxi tour for the day. In India, it was around $40 for a day, including the driver and the guide. Amazing. And the culinary tour, I think, was $15, including the food. So you were only there for a week. Did you manage to squeeze other things in your couple of days in, in Delhi or that or that's it? So we saw India Gate. Uh, we went to a temple. Probably the most impressive thing we saw was a Gudwara, which is a Sikh temple and within the Gudwara there is a building where they feed 10,000 people a day anybody can come rich or poor it's their mission to feed people and we went into the kitchens we saw all the people working in the kitchens with these enormous vats making curry very basic fare but it was just an amazing thing to see okay you've brought up food let's do the food now rather than saving it to the end is the stereotype of Curry, tandoori, da 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 da. What you experienced, or was there so much more? I never really saw tandoori or madras or any of the, any of that food. Indian food, I think that we saw splits between sort of North and South Indian food. Are you uh, pretty much in the centre of the country. Yeah, a restaurant says veg or non-veg, not meat or milk or anything like that. It's veg or non-veg, and probably half the restaurants were veg, and even those that are non-veg, the majority of the food there is still vegetarian. Do you? burn your mouth with the the spiciness or you can choose or there are many mild dishes generally no i think it's always sensible to ask your waiter if you don't like spicy food to keep it mild but we had a lot of what they call puris and uh, chats which are small snack dishes the food like dosas which are like pancakes Um, utapam which is like an onion fried omelet almost it's not but doesn't contain egg usually uh, flour or lentil flour lentil, yeah. and it usually comes with a dip and you dip it in I, I don't think we had a curry with rice while we were there it's just not that sort of food that you you and i remember from going to indian restaurants do you then. see any western food you can do in the center of delhi there's a large circle called connaught place and there you've got McDonald's, you've got Burger King, Taco Bell. And, and what I liked best of all was there was an Indian version of Burger King called Burger Singh. <laughs> but each, each of those restaurants has like a, a, an Indian local version of like, there'll be a paneer burger made from paneer cheese. Wow. wow. Okay, we've got 30 seconds on each, something like that. Beyond the Taj Mahal, is there something else to see in Agra or did you just go for that? We did a walking tour of Agra. There is a mosque to see. There's a fort there. Agra is one of the filthiest cities I've ever seen. If you're going to Delhi, get a day trip, go and see the Taj Mahal, get on the road straight out of Agra. Not, wow. not worth it. Wow, you heard it here. And Jaipur, is it as pink as the pictures suggest? It's red. It's pink in the certain sunlight, but it's, it's, a, red, it's a red city, basically. The, the centre of the city is a marketplace and all the buildings are red. There are some fabulous monuments there. Uh, there's something called the Hawa Mahal, which is a wall with lots of windows, and it's, it's sort of the stereotypical thing you see of Jaipur. There's the Jal Mahal, which is a floating palace, which only the top two floors are above the lake, and the rest of it is underneath the lake and has been flooded. There's the Amber Fort. Jaipur I really liked. Um, 
really, really nice place. Would you recommend for somebody with seven days to do the trip that you did? Pretty much, but as I say, I would cut Agra out and do it as a day from Delhi, and then I would possibly go down to Jaipur and and back again. I th- I think we had the right amount of time. The only thing I would advise against is is check the the weather. Expected that time of year, we got caught in a little bit of smog at the end of it. This was in November, right? Yeah, this was late October, early November. Give it a couple more weeks until the season is over for burning farms and burning crops, and then it's really wonderful. And final question, are the trains, you took trains between these places, as crazy as social media would suggest? It depends what class you book. If you're booking the train, book early, book a chair class or executive class with air conditioning, and it's just like getting a train anywhere else. And the food that they bring, there's a guy bringing masala chai, bringing samosas and pakoras and omelette sandwiches all the way up and down the train. It's all vegetarian food. Fabulous. Folks, share your India experiences with us on social media at Mark David Pod. Mark Simon Gordon, that's his middle name. Thank you very much indeed. Namaste. Golden Triangle Fact File. Air India, American and United operate non-stop flights between Indira Gandhi International Airport and several US destinations. Air India operates direct flights from Tel Aviv to India, flying to Delhi five times a week. Delhi is well connected with Canada, Europe, Turkey, the UAE and Australia. It takes around 40 minutes from New Delhi Airport to reach the city centre by a prepaid taxi. Cost is approximately 10 US dollars. The Delhi Metro connects the airport directly to the centre of New Delhi. Indian railway tickets are a complicated affair. We used an agency called One2Go to make the ticketing process simpler. Make sure to book an air-conditioned seated carriage. Delhi has a number of luxury hotels to choose from. As well as the international chains, you can stay in the Taj Palace, Shangri-La Eros, Leela, Lodi and Oberai. For a mid-price hotel, we recommend the Meridian, which starts at around $165 a night for a double room. For budget hotels, the Bloom Rooms chain at around $40 per night are excellent value. For travel to Jaipur and Agra, I recommend a homestay or a bed and breakfast, which can work out excellent value at around $20 a night or less. Please read reviews carefully before booking. The currency in India is the rupee. As of December 2022, the rate is currently around 81 rupees to a US dollar. Kosher meals can be arranged through Chabad in New Delhi. And there are thousands of pure vegetarian restaurants in Delhi, Agra and Jaipur. You're listening to the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at MarkDavidPod or mail us at markdavidpod at gmail.com. Do you like my hat, David? (laughs) You kind of blend in, I guess. With interference. We're in Turkey, waiting for our flight back to Israel, and one of the things that I've always noticed about the major hubs in, in the Middle East, and I'm including Turkey in the Middle East, is the mix of people from all over the world, but particularly from Central Asia, from the Middle East and so on. And so your Bukharan kippah blends in with everybody else and it matches the festive decorations behind you. And if I go missing in this airport, which is enormous, 
You might actually be able to find me unless I'm in the Uzbekistan Airways queue. Exactly. Anyway, what was the point of all of that? Nothing. I just thought we should okay. chit-chat at the end of the fabulous... Fascinating interview. podcast, yeah. So a couple of thank yous. Warren Marlin, thank you for being a guest on the show. And thank you to Mark Gordon for telling us all about India. Please, folks, if you've enjoyed this pod, share it with your friends, tell them all about it, subscribe, and you can always rate us on your podcast provider. And if you didn't enjoy the podcast, share it with your friends and lie. <laughs> If you want to reach out to us, you can do it by email to markdavidpod at gmail.com and check us out on social media at markdavidpod. Should we do the quiz answers? Surely. So I think I have to do the first one, which was question number one. The Aeolian Islands off Sicily are named after Aeolus. Are named after, <laughs> are named after Aeolus. Who was Aeolus? Aeolus was the demigod of the winds. That's easy for you to say. I travelled to the Golden Triangle, and you've heard all about it now, by train. But if you were to drive, how long would the full circuit be in miles or kilometres? And the answer is 447 miles or 720 kilometres. But much more fun on a train. I imagine it probably was. They do a very nice cup of masala chai. Okay, folks, that's it for this time. Look out for our next podcast dropping your way in two weeks' time if you've subscribed. Bye-bye. Bye.